uh, before I get started, I do want to, uh, I didn't really put this in the bulletin because I was kind of, anyway, uh, if you are in the youth group and maybe a youth group parent, uh, today at 3.30, uh, if you can meet here at the church, uh, if you're available, we're going to go and worship. You don't have to be in the junior high youth group if you have kids. If you don't have kids, you just want to go. Uh, at 3.30, we're going to go and worship with some people who can't make it to worship because of uh, various things. So a lot of it's COVID. We're not going to be going inside. We're going to be on their porch and kind of keeping our distance from them. But if you're available to do that, uh, I know that it will be a great blessing them. We're going to the, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but we're going to two houses and we'll start at 3.30 and we're not going to wait until 3.45, right? We're going at 3.30 or we won't have enough time. So if you get there at 3.40, we won't be here anymore. I want to talk about something today. It's the final kind of did a three-part lesson, really, in a three-part series, uh, making the most of your worship, and we talked about that. We talked about uh, worship that's glorifying to God is a worship that's founded or built outside of this building. It's, it's built on a, a holy life. Uh, we talked about unity in the church and making the most out of our relationships and how fellowship uh, with one another is really important to... Uh, to help and grow our fellowship with one another, this, this relationships and how important they are to the growth of the church. And then finally, and probably the most important to me, uh, making the most out of your life. Now I know for a fact that I've talked about some of the things I'm going to talk about today before uh, here. I think it was on a Sunday night that I gave a lesson that's going to be very similar to this, but not exactly the same. Mainly because I've changed my mind on it, and I was wrong at first, I think. But, what I want to talk about today is making the most of our lives. And I want to talk about it because it's something that's been on my heart and on my mind, and... uh, as I think about our future, uh, specifically mine and Lindsay's future, the future of this church, and most importantly, the future of our baby girl. We're about 18 weeks away, and uh, I'm terrified. But I'm not worried about diapers or toys or money. Uh, We can figure those things out. Tons of people have who are way less fortunate than us. She'll cry, and I won't know how to stop it. I will go nights without sleep, probably. I mean, I'm sure you have. But I know I'll make it through those things. But what scares me the most about having a child is not it's not those things it's when she turns 18 Uh, what I pray about every night is when she turns 18 when she turns 30 when she turns 45 when I'm dead and she's 80 
I care about those things. And that's what's heavy on my mind and on my heart. Pleading with God on her behalf in those areas. That she would be, that she would love God with all of her heart and with all of her soul and with all of her mind and with all of her strength. That she would seek God with everything that she is. And you know, I know that I'm going to teach her. You know, I'm going to teach her how to be good. I'm going to teach her how to receive Christ as her Savior. I'm going to, I'm going to teach her the, the fundamental aspects of worship. I'm going to teach her everything that she could possibly need to know. I know I'm going to. It's important to me, and I'm, I'm going to spend time doing those things. And more than likely, I'm going to be, oh, I, I pray, that I'll enter the waters of baptism with her, and there is not a doubt in my mind that I would die for her. There's not a doubt in my mind that I would die for Lindsay, for anyone in this church. for the youth of this church, for anyone in this church. And what I want to prove today is that maybe I'm so willing, that's a heavy statement, maybe, maybe, and this is just my thoughts, maybe I'm so willing to die for them because it's the easy way out. It takes uh, the least amount of faith to die. What is it that makes, uh, how do you make the most of your life? Uh, have you ever seen, on Disney Plus, there's a, a musical called Hamilton. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but I love it. I actually hate musicals most of the time, but it's kind of cool because they rap and stuff, and I like it a lot, but anyway. Uh, Alexander Hamilton is in this, in this. He's, he's ready to die for his country. He's ready to do anything. He, he's having a conversation with George Washington, or singing conversation, however you want to call it. He said, George Washington, I'm, I'll do whatever it takes for freedom. I'll die for my country. I'll, I'll fight for my country to the death. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. And George Washington says, dying is easy, young man. Living is harder. I love that statement because I think it's really true. It's really true when it comes to a nation, but I think it's especially true when it comes uh, to being an impact on those who are around us. I can teach and I can talk about all the right things. I, I can tell you and I can and I can tell our baby girl that, that she ought to love, and I, I can love them, and I can love you, and I can even die for them and die for you. But if I'm a jerk to my wife, if I'm, if I'm crude with my daughter, then I've missed the entire point of the gospel. I want my life to mean something to my daughter and to Lindsay and to the members of this church, not because of what I say or believe, but because, but because I want God more than I want to breathe. And I, I, I want to live a life that shows that, and I hope that you do too. 
Uh, let's pray. Father God, we are we're so thankful to be able to worship you this morning, to come together and, and sing and praise you uh, with all of our hearts and our minds. And I pray that you would be active among us today, that you would change us from the inside out, renew uh, within us, uh, create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Uh, give us your spirit, help us to be filled with the spirit, to be changed people, to be active in our lives. God, we love you so much. Pray that you would help us to uh, live meaningful lives uh, according to your word. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. So if you'll open to uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12 says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard that my and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. See, and most of the brothers, having become most of the brothers, having become more confident by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see, some, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to inflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I can't tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. See, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. In verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of what hear of, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Do you hear what the word of God is saying here? Look in verse 21. Look, I'm just laying all the cards on the table. If I impart to you one single bit of wisdom in my entire life here at 14th and Main Church of Christ, I want it to be this. Christ is your life. 
for every believing Christian, for every Christian who says, I believe in Jesus Christ, Christ is your life. Now, I'm not talking about a a, a portion of your life. I'm not talking about a corner of your life. I'm not talking about two hours of your life, but He is your life. In verse 21, He says, uh, for me to live is Christ. So you go to verse 13. Uh, it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard that my imprisonment is for Christ. Look at verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Now, whatever happens to me, as long as Christ is proclaimed, I'm going to rejoice because Christ is my life. Verse 20. That, that Christ will be honored in my body. That every action I do, that everything that happens to me, Christ will be honored through that because Christ is my life. Look at verse 23. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Right? Um, being with Christ is my everything. That is what I long for. It's what I want because He is my life. But Paul says here in Philippians chapter 1, That it's more necessary for me to stay here. It's more necessary for me to live and live as Christ is my life. To live that life for those people who are around me. Verse 26. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is our glory. He is our hope. He is our future. He's every single thing that we want. Christ is your life. And He's my life too. So what? I think, uh, and we're not, we're not hitting on this hugely. That's not a word, but verse 27 Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. See, Christ is your life. Is your life going to reflect that truth? Are you going to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? Are you going to act and and respond to to harshness? Are you going to love your wife as if if Christ is your life? Are you going to raise your children as if Christ is your life? Or are you going to live something else? I don't know. There are millions of people in our country who call themselves Christians because they believe that the Christian life is about admiring Christ. Maybe even His sacrifice, admiring His sacrifice, or worshiping Christ, or uh, memorizing the Bible. I see, when the truth is, The Christian call is not a call to admire, but rather abandon self and make Christ your life. I know I've said it a lot, but it's important. If you jump to chapter 2 of Philippians in verse 5, it says uh, Jesus is, is portrayed here. Right. So how do you live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ? Whenever Christ is your life, how do you respond to that? How do you live that life? In chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, uh, well, I had it. Do nothing from selfish... uh, Verse 5, not 3. 
have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Yes, even death on a cross. See, this is the life that Jesus lived, and whenever he's your life, you have to respond to that, copy that, imitate that, in order to be, in order for Christ to be your life. That's great. God is not calling you to go die on the cross for all the sins of humanity. He's not calling you to give up Godship and come down here and live on earth. He doesn't say that. But he wants us to imitate it, right? I think when we get to Philippians chapter 3, uh, we see the difference uh, between what Christ did and what we ought to do in order for Christ to be our life. And uh, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 2, uh, Paul's talking about some Judaizers. He's talking about these people who, who are all about the flesh. They're, they're saying, well, you know what, we, we're circumcised, we're, we're, huh, we keep the law, we're righteous under the law. We, you know, we got everything you need, we're, we're good. Paul says, look out for those dogs, look out for those evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision. He's talking about the church, those who are in Christ. And we worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, who is our life. That's not there, I just added that. And put no confidence in the flesh. We put no confidence in the flesh. And see, Paul says, though I, I got some reasons for confidence in the flesh. Verse 4. If anyone else thinks he has more confidence, anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, right? So if you're, going to, if you're going to base your salvation off of what you're able to accomplish, Paul could have done it better than you. He had, he had uh, more confidence in his ability to keep the law than anyone else. And why is that? Because in verse... He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. See, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. And I want us to look at these things. Right, look at each and every one of those things. We'll make a list for you. He was, uh, he was circumcised on the eighth day. He's a true Jewish person, true as they get, circumcised on the eighth day. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. Anybody know uh, the tribe of Benjamin goes way back. Saul, which is Paul's other name, Saul was the first king of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin. Kind of sounds like Paul was probably named after Saul. Well, Saul was named after Saul. <laughs> see those things great things right that's his that's his family that's his that's his heritage that's his relationships and he says as to the law i was a pharisee you know all right we think of pharisee right and whenever you picture pharisee it's like this uh this hypocrite type person 
But in the day when he's writing this, the hypocrite would... (laughs) I just called him a hypocrite again. That's not right. The Pharisee is the person who's the most righteous. They're the person who, who tries to keep the law, who teaches others about God. A person who, who, who tries their best to be righteous most of the time, especially in Paul's case. He's full of this religious activity. He's, uh, as to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. And obviously he wasn't a Christian. As a Jew, believing that, uh, believing that Christians were a threat to Judaism, that's as good as you can get. He's zealous in charging after uh, he's zealous in charging after Christians. He says, when it comes to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. You're not going to find anybody else who kept the righteous, who kept the laws of, of Judaism better than me. He says, but whatever gain I had. All of these great things, these things that define my life, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. See, for His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Uh... We're Americans, so we don't... I went to a trip to Disneyland one time, and some people got in, the, in our like travel van with us. Uh, they were from overseas. I don't want to name a country, because it probably won't even be a country. But uh, they were from overseas, and they called their trash rubbish. I thought it was weird. <laughs> but uh, whenever he's using this term, it's more like uh, dung. He's saying, you know, all these good things, all these good things that define my life, my family and, and my job and, and my, my, my zealousness for God in, underneath uh, Judaism, all of those things I'm going to give up, and why? So that I may know Christ. See, you can have all of these things. You can, you can have a good family and a great social status and nice stuff and know the Bible through and through and be active in the church and be good and moral. You can do all these things and still not have Christ. You can be, you, you memorize the entire Bible. Do it. Come to church every time the doors are open. Great. You can do all of that stuff and miss the entire point of the gospel. Be, be a great example to your kids. You know what, Mom, if you listen to this, I'm sorry. Um, Every morning when I was in high school, uh, my mom would sit us down. She made me get out of bed like 6 a.m. We'd sit in in the living room, and she would get out a devotional. And we'd read it, and we'd pray, and then we'd read a scripture, and then they went off to school, and I went back to bed until it was time for me to go to school. That's a great thing. And, and, I, and I hope you do stuff like that with your kids. That you'll pray with them. That you'll, that you'll encourage them uh, in the way of Christ. See, I can do all of those things. 
and miss it and miss Christ. Read the Bible. Be, be an, 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 a well-learned scholar of the New Testament. Um, but if you miss Christ, you miss the entire point. See, it's, it's, I'm never going to ask you, how, how often do you attend church? I'm never going to ask you, how, how great are you at, uh, at keeping your family life good? Your, your great social status. I'm never going to ask you to, to base your salvation on nice stuff or, or your knowledge of the Bible or, or your activity in the church. No, I want us to get through the rubbish. Get through this stuff that doesn't matter. And to lay it aside... And ask the question, do you know Christ? Is He your life? Nothing compares to that. I wanted to talk about what this means for us. You know, how, how the fact that Christ is our life can change uh, how we act, right? And that, that ends up being an influence on others. Uh, but I think that it is it's simpler than that. When Christ is our life, we make the most of our life. In fact, that's the only way to make the most of your life. That's it. It's not going to be in money. It's not going to be in anything else but in Christ. Do you want to make the most of your life? Do you want your life to count for those who you love? If so, then count your life as lost and strive to make Christ your life. And, and it's, uh, and I've talked about this so much in my life. This is one of the first sermons I ever preached. And, and, and you know what? I, I love God. I love God with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my strength and my mind. And, and I want to know Him. But I look at my life, and there's a whole bunch of rubbish. And it's just, it's just piling up, and it's, it's calling my attention away from a life in Christ. It draws me away from it. It draws me away from it, and before you know it, I'm not the kindest husband. Before you know it, I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing. Verse 9 of Philippians chapter 3, And I want to be found in Him. I'm not having a righteousness of my own, but one that comes through, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I really, really hope I've conveyed my thoughts this morning. It's heavy on my mind and my heart. I'm going to close with this, and we'll be done early for the first time in a while. I want my life to mean something. I want my life to count for the people that I love. But I do not want it to be because of who I am. I don't want to change people because I'm this awesome speaker, because, because, I, because I say certain things. I want to change people's lives. I want to influence my daughter. I want her to believe in God when she turns 30 because I, I denied myself and Christ was my life. And Christ is my life. Do you want to make an impact on the people you love? If so, count your life as loss in order that you may count Christ as your life. If anybody has any needs this morning, if you, if you, you know, you, you haven't been making Christ your life. You know, if you've been, you've been baptized and, and, and everything has been good in your life, but you, you, you haven't lived as if Christ is your life, then you can come forward as we stand and as we sing.